Thank you, choir and orchestra and Scott and all those that bring music to us each week. Uh, I know how hard uh, the choir and orchestra works prepared to, to serve you, to bless you, to help you connect with God more fully. So we really appreciate their efforts, their gifts to us uh, each week and, and week in and week out. It certainly is worthy of applause to say thank you for their work. Uh, we are going deeper with God. That's where we're moving in this series. Revelation, this, this series on revival leads into the fall and fall is about deeper with God, as you might know the shirt that I'm wearing. You'll see them throughout uh, our staff wearing them uh, these last few weeks and on, on the next few weeks. There are several phases of this movement into the fall that we're inviting you to join us in. First, pray for how we together might grow deeper in our faith and walk with God. We want that first and foremost. That's what this is about. We have, have a conference coming called the Good and Beautiful God Conference. Uh, that's going to be uh, the 11th and the 12th. Many have signed up for that. In fact, over 500 have signed up for it already. If you've not yet signed up, you can do that by going to the back, going online, joining us. We have lots of room for it, plenty of room, so please join us for that. That's part of our Deeper with God emphasis. Uh, we're going to have a special message series called Deeper. And it's a super series because we're going to connect it also with a, uh, a study time, a six-week home group, Sunday school groups gathering uh, studying uh, materials that we have. In fact, you'll be able to buy the book today. It's available that goes with the study. Uh, this is an in-house book. Pastor David has led in this process. Uh, it's what we have put together as a church family uh, for one another. And so it's especially important to connect that way. It's from us, uh, God, us together uh, producing this. So we'll be part of that in a video. And a video goes with that. I'm going to show you a, a video right now that speaks to that entry of that small group session, home group session. And so we, would you watch it with me now, please? Have you ever found yourself wondering if there is more to the Christian life than you are currently experiencing? Do you ever worry that you are missing out on the best that you believe a life with God has to offer. When you think about love and joy and peace and patience and the other attributes that the scriptures teach us are meant to be cultivated in our lives, do you ever question whether or not you might be missing something? I'm really excited about this new study that we're doing because it's not only a chance to learn about God's love and grace, but it's a chance to put into practice some of that knowledge as we work in community together, but also put some of these disciplines into practice and really gain a deeper life with God. My hope and prayer for you is about more than the six weeks that you will spend together on this journey. It's about your future and sparking a change in you that will be a catalyst for growth for the rest of your days. I'm really excited about the new series, A Deeper Life with God. I know that many people are just craving how to grow into a deeper life with God. And so we're hoping that this series provides not only knowledge about how to grow into a deeper life with God, but also practices that help with that and practices that we can do together. Every significant change that we experience in life is anchored in at least one significant relationship that your personal growth cannot be separated from the significant relationships that have enabled that growth. The goal is a life with God. The goal is living like Jesus, the most generous, gracious, and loving person who ever lived. So as we're following on this, a reminder again, uh, we have the book that's going to be part of all the groups that gather, whether it be Sunday school, 
home group, your own family group, individuals, however it's going to work, this is available for you to purchase today. We have a lot of them back there for you. They're $10 a piece. We're making no money on the books. Simply a, a way of recouping uh, the tremendous cost of producing this, so beware of that. Uh, and the Good and Beautiful God Conference, you can sign up and be part of that. That's a Friday night and a Saturday up until about 3 o'clock, I think, that Saturday, so we're excited about that. A message series will come, so if just coming to church, you're going to be part of the deeper uh, emphasis that we're going to be connecting with in the fall, so hope you're excited about that. And finally, we're looking for people who might be willing to host a small group of any sort, uh, that they might, and, and we have uh, the, the book that guides us in the home group, small group, and we have a video for each one of the weeks that kind of leads into it. So it's really easy to do. I mean, it's not difficult to do, simply providing, you're almost just hosting is really what you're doing. So today we're looking for people who might be willing to host. So the offering is going to be received after the message for this reason. First, you can certainly give as you always do. We hope you'll do that. Give as you receive when that time comes after the message today. Uh, you register your attendance as always. We, we keep track of your presence. That's how we do that. So please do that. If you're thinking about hosting, you can take uh, that registration form and you'll see a note there where it says, host a small group. Just check it. Put in the offering plate, name, address, email as well. We've got to be able to find you. Uh, and then uh, you'll share or someone to get hold of you and talk to you about what it is involved. And you can say, yes, I want to do that. Or no, it's not for me. If you want to know more, she'll also be in the back. Pastor Sharon will also be in the back in the atrium to give a briefing about what's involved. So we can help you with that as well today. Please note on the back page, inside we have all the, all the information I've already said. So we've told you three times today. You saw the opening video. I've explained it as good as I can. Inside we have it as well. On the back is the circles that might work with a group. Uh, it can be those that you enjoy doing things together with, like hobbies, golf, crafting, uh, whatever you do. Uh, pick that group out. Say, do that. Work. Uh, our son is going to be having a group doing this with his, where he works. And they're meeting together. We'll be doing the book and walking through the process, seeing the video. We're excited about that. So that at work, uh, friends, neighbors, you know, family. You can do this if you have just a family coming together, three people in a room, five, eight, ten, everybody, brothers, sisters, whoever you want it to be, uh, family. Uh, and then, of course, those you might connect with through sports activities, kids' activities, schools' activities, homeroom activities. You know, you're with me what I'm talking about. And so really a lot of us can really bring the good news that means so much to us to someone else in a very gentle, welcoming way uh, under the banner of Deeper with God. So please think about being one of those hosts by checking it. You, have, you can think about it through the message. Put it in the offering. When that, after the message, we'll be on our way. And again, we're in a series we're calling Revival. We begin talking about how we experience Christ through personal salvation, repentance, coming to Christ, uh, being saved and what that means for us in our life. Connecting that with our own church, with our faith, the Bible, and the Methodist church that began with an experience of John Wesley where he himself came to Christ in a very personal way at Aldersgate and began a revival that changed the world back in those years, continues to change the world today. Then last week we talked about how the church, the early Methodist church and the church gathered in smaller groups. And there they did study, they prayed, they connected, they told their stories to one another. They shared testimony, supported each other, and how that was a strength for the church also changed the world. 
These are both connected directly to revival. What makes revival revival from something dead comes to life again? Also directed, uh, directed directly uh, with uh, the, the history of the Methodist church. It's been now around for over 200 years. We have that also in our story. And today we talk about holiness. The word holy, personal holiness, the third piece of revival, the third piece that grew the Methodist church in the, its early days, continues to grow the church as well today, and what it is to experience that ourselves in our own way, encountering God. Now I'm going to read for you a few verses of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 19. So please, he, please hear these words and think holiness and revival as I read them. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the present through the measure of all the fullness of God. Now the word holy. Now I could say I want everyone who's holy to please stand up. Now don't stand up, but I probably wouldn't have a crowd. And you might not stand up because you might think, I'm not sure what holiness is. And if I stand up, people are going to say they're holier than thou. You know, so you know what I mean. How do you define holiness? How do we attain that? Is it a goal? Do we care about it? What does it mean? We have to start with that to even go any further and revival around the terminology of personal holiness, holy. As some here know, uh, I went to a Bible college. Very serious about the word holy, the, sc the school that I went to. In fact, when I attended, I had to sign a card before I began college that there were certain things I that I would not do, nor would my family do. So Rhonda joined me in our holy journey, whether she wanted to or not. And so together we made a commitment that we would not see any movies for the years I was in college. It was considered not to be a holy thing. It was in a holy place. You can't go to movies. And so we signed a card saying, I won't go to any movies. So just before college began, Rhonda and I saw American Graffiti together. That dates us when this time was happening. Uh, and then when we graduated, when I graduated, went off to annual conference in the Methodist church, and we skipped church one night to go see Star Wars. Uh, so we had that. We also were uh, not to play cards. Can't play cards. You know, of course, no drinking or smoking, obviously. And there were things you were not to do because that's how we understood holy. What is holy? You've heard the term holy cow. You probably said it. Holy smokes. Actually, it goes back to picking, the, picking a pope. That's where that comes from if you didn't know it. Uh, probably don't care, but now you know. <laughs> holy terror. Two to four. Two to four. That's that terminology, especially if it's a boy. Two to four. Holy Joe, what I was called in the Navy for a while when I came to Christ and my life was changed and some of my friends said, there's a Holy Joe coming. You may have been called that. hope you were. <laughs> Maybe you haven't. <laughs> you know, holy moly. Don't ask me what that means. I don't know. <laughs> Holier than thou. Holy roller. I've seen a few of those. I went to a Pentecostal Bible college. I know exactly what a holy roller looks like and what they do when they're rolling. I have seen it. 
Holy Roller. It's not criticizing. There's all kinds of ways to experience God's presence, and that's one way. So we're talking about holiness. How do we describe holiness? Now, after I got the message together, I really went and began to pray and think about it. Okay, Mike, what is holiness? You know what the Bible says. I've read some of those words already. I'll read some more. Uh, I know how it's defined uh, in many ways. I know how my Bible college defined holiness. What is it? And, I, and as I researched, prayed, looked at the Methodist church, uh, looked at what the Bible said, here is the phrase that I developed, I think defines what the Bible says holiness is. And I'm going to give it to you, and it's going to be up on the screen for you to see. Holiness is belonging to God so fully that our one aim is to live a life that honors that relationship. Holiness is belonging to God so fully that our one aim is to live a life that honors that operative word, key word, important word, relationship. It's not about going to movies or not going to movies. It's about walking with God in that amazing God died for us. And we love God. Relationship with God. Holy. We've been talking about the Methodist church and our beginnings. Uh, we uh, have a history that goes right back to the beginning of this nation, the roots of this nation. In fact, uh, we had our first what's called conference that organized our church officially as a denomination in 1784. For you history scholars, you'll recognize that's the same year the Constitution was ratified. We began at the same time this country began. And this church and many others as well, Presbyterians and Baptists and others, really brought good news in every corner of this nation very early. And this denomination was very committed to doing exactly that. In fact, that conference called the Christmas Conference, which organized people to beat the devil, terminology they used, we're organizing to beat the devil. Uh, that conference responding to John Wesley's charged to offer them Christ, met at that Christmas conference and said, here's what we're going to do. We are exist to, and to reform the continent and spread scriptural holiness over the land. <laughs> to, to reform this continent, that's a big goal back in those years because the continent really was not developed yet. The West was not settled yet. We're only talking about the East Coast and a few million people. Later on, millions and millions were going to come to Christ through that effort and the effort of other denominations coming together to do exactly this, to reform the continent and spread scriptural holiness over the land. And this church and others took this country by storm, and within a generation, 75 to 80% of Americans attended churches. Whether it was a church on the East Coast or a little tiny white clapboard house out in the wilderness somewhere in Nebraska or in Texas or in Mansfield. This church was formed and shaped in 1885. Our roots go back to 1867 here in this community. If you've ever been to Applebee's in Mansfield, there's a small cemetery behind that Applebee's. That cemetery is a Methodist cemetery formed by early settlers at the closing of the Civil War to bring scriptural holiness to the land, what we are about. With two major ideas that drove the church to every small community in this nation, and that is to get right with God and to live right for God. Now we're talking about holiness now. Talking about holiness. What does it mean? To get right with God, to live right for God, and yes, the undergirding theme for this is revival. 
revival, which is a term that Wesley, who began the Methodist church, used for what God was doing through his church, and that was we're having a revival, a really new term of, of people that were, no, that were once not alive coming to life. Now, how do we interact with our world at this time now? What do we do with these ideas and terms and, and thoughts of scriptural holiness? What in the heck is that? How do we interact with our world that we might say ain't very holy, right? Not very holy. I'm not sure how many are whose one aim is to honor a relationship with God. Our culture is not about that for sure. But are you? Am I? Are we? I think we live in a, what's, what I would term a very hedonistic culture. If you've not heard that term before, hedonism means that I want to be happy, and I believe happiness is going to come through seeking pleasure. And many have bought into that idea that if I get what I want, if I can do what I want, if I have what I want, if what I want happens around me, I'll be happy, I'll be pleased, I'll experience pleasure, and things will go well in my life. And so we often have that that we're at odds against. Whether we know it or not, can verbalize it or not, it is an impact upon all of us. That we naturally, if we seek to please God, are at odds with the very world we live in. Turn the TV on. The very world we live in is at odds with living a holy life, so it's not very easy to do. How do we do it? I'm going to show you some pictures. I'll show you first a picture of, of a table full of food. There it is. Now, this might not be good timing for you because, you know, if you didn't have breakfast, you're ready for lunch. So, and there's some good stuff on that table, if you can tell what it is. There's a turkey in the background. I'm a real turkey guy. I can eat turkey almost every day. I love turkey. So there it is. Uh, there's some uh, stuffing or dressing, depending on where you're from. Uh, that's up there as well. I think that's ham on the right. And some other, I know, absolutely good stuff are laying up there for you. Now, and again, you're probably thinking, hey, preacher, cut the sermon short today. It's, it's getting close to lunchtime. But, you know, I, I know we're drawn to that. Just, we're human. We're drawn to that table. And that's not bad. It's a good thing. Eat around, enjoy fellowship. Eat a good meal. Show me the next picture. Now, I'm not sure if we're drawn to that or not. I just don't know if that's what I'm thinking about today for lunch. When I woke up this morning, my dream was not water and a piece of bread. There's not even any butter on that thing. No, no peanut butter, no jelly, nothing on that thing. I am not drawn to that. Okay? Now, we're thinking about holiness, thinking about God, not criticizing food. We love food. That's a good thing. I want you to think about our own life and our decisions we make about where we're going in our journey and what really matters the most to us. We're not drawn to that. Next picture. Okay, that's a luxury hotel room. That's real luxury. I've never been there, by the way. You know, it, it, you know that would be probably, I'm sure that's one of those $2,000 a night hotel rooms, I'm guessing. Uh, don't tell me if you've ever stayed in one of those, but uh, that's, that's expensive. And, and you see, I, you can tell it's expensive by somebody is hung up in the back the, the robe they give you that's there for you, that's their robe, that they will clean and replace every day. I suppose they do that. Uh, and then you have, of course, maybe the Caribbean, maybe Hawaii. I'm not sure where this picture came from. Uh, and you see the, the water all around, the beautiful view. Step out, and there you are uh, under, under the umbrella right there on the beach. That's a pretty cool place to stay. You know, it looks, I, I, I'm drawn to that. Hey, that's where I want to go tomorrow. I mean... In fact, I'll leave right now if somebody's got a plane ticket and get me out the door and say, I've got a plane. I, I've got that. I've got that. In fact, if you have one of those places, let me know and give us a week free sometime. We'll head out that way. But 
So don't tell anybody I said that. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on television. Next thing, next thing. Now here's a monastery. Now look at the bed. The bed is actually wood, just a wood, uh, piece of wood with one blanket. Not even a pillow is there. You know, and there's a table with a little candle stand on it and a cross. That's a monastery. You know, now I've got to say I'm not very drawn to that. That's not natural for me. I don't naturally aim that direction. You know, I, I don't even want to camp. You know, I want a hotel room, shower, bath, all the works. I don't want none of that. I'm not drawn to that. Okay, now one more, one more. I hope I'm not wearing this theme out. But I want you to be with me on the same page if you would. Next picture. Now, that's a theater room. Now, this is one of those amazing things that's happened in recent years is that homes that have rooms that are like movie theaters, you know, not the, the little black and white TV I had as a child. Now, if you're younger here, you're thinking, black and white TV, what's that? A little black and white, you, know, had to go up, you actually had to go up there and change the channel, and there were how many stations? Three was it? three. Some of you are old enough to remember only one, but I'm not. Don't raise your hand if that's you. Uh, but there were th some remember there was no TV at all. Don't raise your hand. We don't want to know that either. But uh, uh, I remember watching the Mickey Mouse Club as a little kid. We got our first television set, so that's my, my dating me. But now we have this, and there's surround sound. There's special lighting, and those chairs look very comfortable. You know, that'd be okay. I mean, if, I mean, I would not complain if I had one of those. You know, in my home, I don't. But if I did, it'd be okay. Let's show you the next picture. Now, are, you know, we're not, are we drawn, are we drawn to, are we really drawn to a cross? Really? Are we so holy that we are drawn to where Christ is crucified and where he says, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me? Deny yourself and follow me? Make decisions that value your walk with me, that change the choices, that change the choices you make in your life, what you do and what you don't do. Really? And so this is why it's so difficult for us in our culture to really be and experience and even have a glimpse of what holy living might really look like and be like in our life. Talking about holiness, what it is and what it isn't. Okay, we the picture's off, thank you. You know, the Christian life is not about happiness. It's about faithfulness. Here's the good news. You ready for the good news? Faithfulness creates happiness within us. Faithfulness produces that deep satisfaction and joy, that deep with God experience. It really makes life what it should be, could be, and can be, and is possible. I'll say the word again. Holiness, put it up on the screen again, the, the, the word I began with. Holiness is belonging to God so fully that our one aim is to live a life that honors that relationship. Holiness is belonging to God so fully that it, our one aim is to live a life that honors that relationship. Think about what that means for you. I can't tell you what it is. I, I'm thinking it's probably not, not going to movies or playing cards. I think it's not that. Even though my, my Bible college said it was. But what exactly is it? Is it coming to church? That could very well be part of it. You know, carving out this one hour or two hours a week to sit together and worship, uh, to enjoy choir music, to, to bow and be able to give, to connect with other people who are looking for God as well. I think it's part of that. Now I'm going to read for you 2 Corinthians 7.1. Before I read these words, I want you to understand the early church in the Corinthian time. The Corinthian church was a real mess. You know, I, I encourage myself sometime by that when I read about how Bible churches were a mess because sometimes this church is a mess. 
That's human nature. Sometimes my family can be a mess. I can be a mess. That's part of who we are. But nonetheless, here is what Corinthians says about holiness. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, I want you to think about what that means, the word contamination, perfecting, reverence, God's promises, purification, holiness, all what that really means in regard to this sermon and revival. Got to go to Africa many, many times, but one of our trips to Rwanda, uh, and when we go, we always have warnings given to us. Every time we say, don't drink the water. You know, and don't eat any vegetables or fruits that might have been exposed to anything. In other words, you can eat the inside of a banana, but don't touch the outside. You can eat a piece of fruit, but only the inside, not the outside. You know, if it's cooked, you're okay. Been cooked and heated up, you're probably okay. Well, for some reason, uh, one, one supper time, they served us in that African place that we were eating at. They served us cucumber salad. Now, I pay attention to that. I do not want to be sick in a foreign country like Africa. Uh, I know what it's like. I don't want to do it. I avoid it like the plague. I ain't eating that stuff. You know, I'm not a big cucumber salad fan anyway, so it wasn't that hard not to eat it. But, uh, but nonetheless, there were two of us or three of us who decided not to eat that, but everybody else did. And I remember as we're driving in our bus out to see uh, some families there in that part of Africa, I remember watching first one of our group, she's sitting there, and she just falls over. Just literally falls over on her side because she's beginning to feel sick. And here's even more. The leader of our group who's been to Africa a dozen times or more, probably 20 or 30 times, Gaston, who leads Zoe Ministry, he began to fall over after he turned green. And, and I realized as, as the day went on that everybody was sick but two or three of us. The next morning, there were two of us for breakfast. The rest were doing what you do when you get a stomach parasite, which they experience. The thing is, I said uh, when they all got well, I wouldn't say it then, they told us not to eat stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you kind of know the, what, what were you thinking? Well, it's cucumbers. They have cucumbers in America. I mean, it just somehow they didn't make the connection. You can understand how that could happen. It's a salad. It should be okay. Well, it's not touching anything green like that when I'm in Africa, Mexico either. So I want you to think what that means for you and I in our own life as we live a life that can be, you know, because there was a whole day they could do nothing. A whole day they couldn't go to the sites, to the, to the, to the orphans, to do anything. They weren't, they weren't available. They weren't available because they were sick. Are you with me on how we present ourselves to God and why holiness is important and why it's a benefit not only to us but the kingdom of God we've committed to follow in the cross of Christ I showed you some time ago? Okay, here's the point I want to share with you again, another, a new point. The only real freedom, I'm convinced that this is true, is living life within the, within the boundaries that we set for ourselves. I mean, you notice I didn't say the boundaries God has set for us. We have to accept those boundaries and say, yes, this is what I believe is the boundaries God gives me as I study Scripture, as I listen to pastors, as I pray and preach. Here's where I am, and we light on that. Here it is. 
Because you have to accept it. If you don't, it's not any good. You know, the first day before school, we go to a movie. The day at the end, we go to a movie. Well, I don't have to do that anymore. Well, what are the boundaries that you believe God's given you in your life as a follower of Christ, as a Christian? Uh, before my dad passed away, I uh, went out there to visit with him, and he said, Mike, I want you to play golf with me. I was not a big golfer, still I'm not. I just never had picked that game up very well, not very good at it. Maybe that's the reason why. But with my dad, I went and played this. He and I played at a place called Quicksand in San Angelo, Texas, where my mom and dad lived toward the end of their life. And, and uh, Now, Quicksand's called that because it has all kinds of sand traps on the course. Very green course, they water it, but there's this sand. And, and that's one thing I don't get about golf. They put the sand white right where you're probably going to hit. I mean, move it somewhere else. You know, for me, for me, the better I hit it, the more likely I'm going to get in the sand. If I hit it bad, I'm safe. You know, I don't get that part, but that's how, how the game is played. But I, I miss, uh, hit it out, in the, in the, out of bounds uh, one time. And in San Angelo, you get out of bounds, you're into desert. You know, cactus, rocks, hard ground, scrub mesquite, pretty rough place, you know. But I, hit, I went looking for my ball anyway, went out there wa- walking around looking for my ball. And, and, and I'm out there, and I think, man, there's 100 golf balls out here. My dad's on the course. He, he managed to hit it where he's supposed to. And so I'm picking balls up like crazy and putting it. Man, I'm going to have 100 golf balls here. They look so good. And I said, Dad, Dad, come on. There's, there's all these golf balls over here. And, and Dad said, so I'm not going over there. I said, why? Because there's rattlesnakes out there. <laughs> Which is why all the golf balls were out there. No one would go. I said, Dad, when, why didn't you tell me before I went out there? I figured you'd know. Well, well, I know now, you know. Well, you know, when you talk about the boundaries of sharing scriptural holiness throughout the land, it's saying that, well, God does know the boundaries that work for us. You can call them commandments. There's a bunch of them, by the way, not just 10. Guidelines if you want to, choices you make as a Christian, decisions you make about living a holy, loving, faithful, leaving sin behind life, you know, and doing that, what that means for you, and how that is a place you're intended to live and what God designed you to live. And that's the next point. God designed us with a purpose in mind. We must choose that purpose. But God designed us with a purpose in mind. I love the idea that God designed us. Uh, I love sitting in my yard, do it often, uh, the front or the backyard. We, we live in our house because it has two porches. Had a front porch already there. We built a back porch. I love the porch. I don't know why. I just do. And I sit out there and I look at the, the plants that I planted. They're growing. And, and I love saying, God designed that and God designed that and God designed that. That has purple flowers, you know. I'm kind of crazy like that. It has purple flowers and that has little red berries, you know. And, and that has the, 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 the pink flowers in the, in the, in the springtime and that oak tree, you know. And I love doing that. It's kind of relaxing for me, I guess, to kind of, kind of disconnect that way and reconnect to what's around me. You know, and, and, I, and this is the same way for you and me, that we're designed. But we can go against our design. Uh, that chase tree is going to be purple no matter what. It's, it's, it's ingrained. It cannot go against its original design. But we can. We can go against the design. We can be against the odds. And we can be at odds against the design God made for us. And he calls us back to that design through personal salvation, through obedience and worship in church, and, of course, in choosing to live a holy life. And there we experience that design in a way we never would otherwise, and many never experienced God's design for them. They missed the boat for many reasons. Well, third point here, salvation is God's work, holy living is ours. 
It's important for you to hear that. Uh, salvation is a gift of God because God loves us. But holiness is a, a life we choose to live because we love God. Are you with me now? Okay, salvation is a gift that God gives because he loves us. But holy living is a life that we live because we love God. I love you, God, and I want to live in a way that pleases you. I want to live in a way that honors you. I want to make choices that I think you'd, you'd be good with. That's what I want for my life. And I believe that you want the best for me. So it becomes a partnership, this core in the love God has for us, the love we have for God. And that's the third point. The fourth point, last point today. And this is something that I've added because I believe that it's true. I believe it's absolutely true. And so I think it's important to share. The biggest crisis in America is Christians who have sidestepped the charge to live holy lives. Uh, all of us can list the concerns we have in our country. They've always been there, always will be there. We can name this one, that one, that one, the other, whatever it might be. Everybody has their own list. Most of our lists are different, but we all have them. It's easy to do that. There it is. That's it. That's it. Usually, usually things we can't do anything about anyway, but we like to name what they are. But I think the biggest problem in our country is, is Christians and churches who don't live the holy life God calls us to live. And it may, makes us unable to effectively reflect Christ in our culture. And they'll say, I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that life. I don't live like that family lives or that person lives or that preacher on television, how, how he or she is living. I don't want none of that. Or that politician who says they're a Christian and they go to church. Look what they did. I can't believe that. And so we lose the ability to influence the very world God calls us to save when we, when we don't live a holy life. And love and holiness go together. One does not work without the other. We have to connect them together in our faith. And that's where we go to, that's where it comes together. And we connect that way. And the final word, and it's repeated what I've already said. Holiness is belonging to God so fully that our one aim is to live a life that honors that relationship. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the words you give us. May we hear them and may we respond. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.